You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. You allow God to confirm the giftings and the calling in your life. Philip started waiting on tables in the Jerusalem church. What was his ultimate calling? Philip the evangelist. My ministry started as a sanitation engineer. I won't go into that. And then don't quit. You want to see the ultimate fruit of your calling in life for the kingdom? Don't quit. Worst thing a Christian can do for the kingdom And for your own Christian walk, just quit. In today's message from Pastor Danny, he teaches us the importance of not giving up in our walk with the Lord. If we truly want to see the ultimate fruit of the calling in our lives for the kingdom of God, we can't quit. We need to stay constantly pursuing the Lord and the plans that He has for us. Stay consistent in serving the house of the Lord. Often it's when we're serving that God confirms our gifting and our calling. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Acts chapter 12 with today's edition of The Living Word. David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He died. He was buried with his ancestors. His body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Take care. That what the prophets have said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. You still awake? As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath... Almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. You talk about fruit. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. Anytime you're doing something for God where there's going to be fruit, there's going to be opposition. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I've made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. We're almost there. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. This is not just fruit. This is abundant fruit. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. 
But the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And despite the opposition and the persecution, tremendous fruit. And Paul and Barnabas, even though expelled from the region, they look back and see lots of people saved. Lots of fruit. And it's fruit that John Mark should have seen. It's fruit that John Mark would have gotten the same heavenly reward for, but he didn't. Why? Like I've said to every other meeting this weekend, I don't want to insult your intelligence. I'm not trying to do that. But here's, here's why. Here's why John Mark was not part of the fruit and the reward. <laughs> he quit. Here's what it means to give up, to abandon, to cease, to stop. He quit. Come on now. How many of you have ever quit something and later regretted doing so? Come on. Let me see the hands. Look around at all the hands. Look at all the hands. Can you say it publicly? Yeah. What did you quit and later regretted doing so? Ministry. Ministry. Who had a hand up here? Right in here. What did you quit? You quit college ministry and you regretted it later. Who had a hand up here? What did you quit? College. You quit college. I did too. Thank God I went back. <laughs> Amazingly, I graduated. Who had a hand up all the way on the side here, over here? Who had a hand up? What did you quit? You quit a job and later regretted doing so. I want to leave you guys out on this side. Way over here. Anybody have a hand up? Who had a hand up? You never quit anything. You're a bunch of liars. Okay, right in here. Who had a hand up? Who had a hand up? What would you quit? Piano. Later regretted doing it. I quit typing. It took years to regret it, but I have regretted it now. All the way in the back. Who had a hand up? Shout it out. What'd you quit? Playing the drums like you. You quit playing the drums. Now, we could go on and on and on, and if I didn't have anything else to say, I'd just go on and on and on. I played for Moose, the Moose Lodge. That was my first little league team. We were the worst team in the league. They made fun of us. They said, Moose Juice! I hated it. Came in dead last. So I quit. Next year, Moose went from the worst team in the league to winning the city little league championship. They got to ride on their own float in a parade downtown Hartsville. That's a big deal where I come from. And there I'm watching them. There's Terry Barfield and there's Dennis Clem. There's all my old teammates, but I'm no longer on the team. Now it's interesting. I don't want to think about it too much, but they went from worst to first after I left the team. But I've always regretted that. In 10th grade, I was on the junior varsity football team. You didn't have to go to summer camp to be on the football team, but if you were really committed, you'd go to summer camp. You slept at the gym next to the field, the practice field. You go home for one weekend between the two weeks, try to recuperate, and go back to camp. It was grueling. One of the hardest things I ever did. Second week, assistant coach Jones comes into the room where all our beds are, and he shouts, 20 minutes, shorts and shoulder pads. I'm like, I ain't putting on my shoulder pads. I'll put on my shorts. And I put on my shorts and I walked out the back door and didn't tell anybody. Went over to Tom Braddock's house. And we went out to smoke pot. And that was a whole lot more enjoyable than football practice that day. I'm telling you. 
until Jimmy Irby, who was on my team, and he got moved up to varsity, and he came to me a few weeks later, a couple of weeks later, and he said, you know, it's too bad you quit. Coach was going to move you up to varsity. And the day the team took the field for the first game, I fought back tears, and I've always regretted quitting. I get to Liberty after becoming a Christian. I had, you need to understand something. A lot of you know this, but some of you don't. We see new faces here all the time. You need to know something. Public speaking was never on my radar. Never. I was a physical education major. I wanted to somehow God used me through some kind of sports, being a PE teacher or something, you know, or doing what Lewis does here with our sports ministry, you know, somehow just to use sports. Public speaking was nowhere on the radar, nowhere. And they said, you're a phys ed major. Nevertheless, you have to take one speech class. It's required. I almost got in my Plymouth cricket and drove back to Hartsfield, South Carolina. And I've been very thankful, not only that I did not do so, but I'm thankful they don't make Plymouth crickets anymore. <laughs> you know how many times... I've wanted to quit the ministry here. This is my 32nd year. Now, look, don't clap. Look, look, I'm not 32nd year. No, come on. Look, 32nd year in one place. That's rare. That's rare in one place. A few years ago, I was right there. I don't care how much money you pay me. I'm gone. Thank God I didn't quit. We're God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's the most fascinating statement at the end of that verse. Before the beginning of time, God knew your fingerprint. But not just your physical fingerprint. Before the beginning of time, God knew your spiritual fingerprint. God knew. God knew. I I mean, I'm glad he didn't tell me ahead of time. God knew I wouldn't be the phys ed major. God knew I'd end up changing my major. And God knew that he put a desire in me. And then he'd start opening little doors to publicly testify. And then he gave me a desire to teach and to preach. It's just fascinating to me. But he knew it. He planned it. Ephesians 4, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. No other fingerprint like yours. Never has been, never will be. Same way spiritually. Same way. The context of this is God gives apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists to train for works of service, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I'm convinced the least a Christian can do for the sake of the kingdom and and calling themselves a Christian is give to support the ministry of the church. I'm convinced of that. I'm not going to get off on that, but the parable of the talents, one is given five, one is given two, one is given one. But if they're faithful, their rewards are equal because God determines how much talent he's going to give you and how much money he's going to give you. Okay, so if you're faithful with little, you're faithful with much. If you're unfaithful with little, you'll be unfaithful with much. When the one with five goes out and doubles it, the master commends him. The one with two doubles it and is commended, but the one with one, he buries it. You know what the master says? He said, you wicked, lazy servant. At least you should have given it to the bankers so it could earn some interest. If you're not going to do something, at least give it and let somebody else do something. I think that's the least. You know what the most a Christian can do? I believe for the kingdom, they're all messages in themselves. I'm just giving you a little, you know, shots here. Serve. Find a place to serve. Don't just be a church attender. Serve. Be faithful in the small things. And in time, here's what will happen. Here's what will happen. It'll happen. In time, you allow God to confirm the giftings and the calling in your life. Philip started 
waiting on tables in the Jerusalem church. What was his ultimate calling? Philip the evangelist. My ministry started as a sanitation engineer. I won't go into that. And then don't quit. You want to see the ultimate fruit of your calling in life for the kingdom? Don't quit. Worst thing a Christian can do for the kingdom and for your own Christian walk is quit. John Mark was called a helper. The Greek word literally means an under oarsman. You know what an under oarsman is? They're not on deck with the captain and the other officers. They're below deck. You usually don't see them. Usually don't know their name. And I want to pause very quickly and say, look, there are hundreds and hundreds of under oarsmen in this ministry. And a ministry ship will not move the way it's intended without under oarsmen. And I want to say thank you for your faithfulness being under oarsmen. Thank you. People that will never be on this stage, you'll never see their name in the bulletin. You'll never see them on a, a video clip of the announcements. But this ministry would not be what it is without them. Thank you. Some, some under oarsmen are a little better known, even though they're under oarsmen. Like this guy here, he's a little, a little better known. Why'd John Mark quit? We're not told. And because we're not told, it is okay to speculate. Not to speculate to determine doctrinal things, but to speculate. What, why did he quit? We're not told. He might have quit because Barnabas and Saul is now Paul and Barnabas. I think that's a possibility, especially in light of verse 13. That's when Paul is listed now as the leader and continues now to be Paul first. And it's the first half of verse 13 in our text that we read from Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga and Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. Barnabas was not only the initial leader, he's John Mark's cousin. And let me say one more thing quickly on that. You study the scriptures carefully and you will see that while Paul and Barnabas were both committed to the Lord and great missionaries, they had very different personalities. Very different personalities. Barnabas is more of an encourager. Paul is like, let's go. <laughs> and you left, and you're not coming back right now. And Barnabas is like, no, what about the grace of God? What about forgiveness? Come on, Paul. And they have such a sharp debate. I mean, they are committed, but they are different personalities. And some of their giftings. We're different. Maybe it was because of God's prophetic promise to Paul. Right after Paul got saved, God sent a man named Ananias. And one of the things he said is, you show him how much he's going to suffer for my name. And you read places like 2 Corinthians 11, which I'm not going to take time to turn and read there. But you go and read about some of the things that Paul suffered. In Acts 20, they're trying to get him not to go to Jerusalem because of what prophetically has already been said is going to happen to him there. He's going to be bound. He's ultimately going to die. And they try to stop him. He says, look. My life is worth nothing to me. And finally, when they couldn't deter him, he said, they just said, well, God's will be done. God's will be done. You imagine being partnered with a guy like this? You talk about a hard dude to hang out with. And so maybe he was just afraid. Maybe they got on and, and, and all of a sudden there's this opposition and, and he knows more is coming. Maybe he just got tired. Anybody ever been there? I've been there more than once. You say, I, I'm just, I just, I just got to. I need, to, I need Southwest. I need to get out of here. I need to get on a plane. There is biblical evidence that John Mark grew up in a fairly well-to-do family. When Peter's in prison, the church meets to pray for him. Where do they meet? John Mark's house. His family's house. He's a young man. He don't own the house. When Peter shows up after being miraculously delivered from prison, 
Who answers the door? The servant girl, Rhoda. They got at least one maid. Now he's the maid. And maybe he just said, you know, I'm going back home. Maybe, maybe he had unrealistic expectations. I want to ask you to raise your hand by that in ministry. You had expectations. It's not working out the way you thought it would, right? Welcome to the real world. Maybe he got unsatisfied and tired of just being an under oarsman. It's possible. How many of you have been on any kind of cross-cultural mission trip to another country? How many of you got sick on at least one of those trips? Maybe he got sick. In Nairobi, I was praying more earnestly than ever before that Jesus would come. (laughs) A few years ago, Nairobi, Kenya, I was so sick. I was so sick. I never spent more time around a toilet in my life. And it just, it was awful. Every time I've been to India, sick. And, and, they're, and they're being so hospitable. They treated us like kings. I won't go into the details of that. We go into a village though. I mean, in the middle of nowhere in India, and there's all kinds of people in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, you know, we're doing the thing like sit in the hut with the, with the, the, the leader of the village. You know, he's the, he's the chief. And he's bringing out his best. He's bringing out the warm goat's milk with as few bugs in it as possible. And I look over and there's a tarantula on the wall. I'm, no kidding. And I mean, I'm, and I'm, I'm just like, I looked over to Abraham's our host and I said, Abraham, I can't eat anything. If I eat anything, it's coming right back up. We got to the next village and they come in, they're, they're putting wreaths around us. And I told you I wasn't going to give you the details. They treat you like kings. And, and we're sitting there and they're bringing you food. And then I can't eat anything. You know, I'm like, I, I can't do it. And so I'm looking around, and when nobody's looking, I, there's these cats in the bushes coming around. Oh, a bunch of and I'm just taking food, throwing it to the cats. My plate's empty, and all of a sudden they notice my plate's empty. They bring me another whole plate of food. I'm like, please. Maybe he was homesick, smelling mama's cooking in his mind every morning. Isn't it possible? You know how many times I have seen a romantic relationship pull somebody away from the will of God? Is it possible? He got rebuked by Paul? Again, we're just speculating, but it is possible. Maybe he had a lapse and he loved the world more than the will of God at this point in his life. Wouldn't be the first time this happened to a ministry associate of Paul the Apostle. He writes in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. So, whatever happened to John Mark? He missed out on future opportunities because if he hadn't failed initially, he would have been invited to go on the second missionary journey, which God blessed and the Holy Spirit recorded The miraculous birth of the church in Philippi happened on that next missionary journey. Churches were birthed in Thessalonica, in Berea, in Athens, in Corinth. Tremendously fruitful ministry was seen in in Ephesus, where these guys that had been reading sorcery scrolls and all these kind of cultic things, they brought all their books, and they piled them together, made a big bonfire, and it was worth a lot of money, all those books. A guy named Eutychus is raised from the dead after Paul gave such a long message all night that the dude fell out of a window and died. God, Paul goes over and thank God, God raised the guy from the dead. God's going, you killed him, but I'll raise him from the dead. And years would go by and Paul would write the letter to the Colossian church. And here's what he said. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You've received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. For however long, Paul was not reunited with John Mark. But after what he felt was adequate time, 
And now he believed John Mark really has repented. They're not only reunited as brothers in the Lord, Paul invites him back on the team. And as Paul is about to leave this world, he writes 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6. A portion of it we just had up here. But let me read this. Listen carefully. I'm already being poured out like a drink offering and the time for my departure is near. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Do your best to come to me quickly for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Christians has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me in my ministry. As a dying saint, his final words in this final chapter of 2 Timothy, which is the last record of writings we have of the Apostle Paul, he says, get Mark. I like the way he rose. But that's not the end of the story. Paul is not only united with John Mark as a brother in the Lord. Paul invites John Mark to get back on the team. And in God's time, John Mark had the most awesome privilege of pinning the gospel according to Mark. He's the God of a second chance. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. But even if you give up, as long as you don't stay a quitter, you can get back up again. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you'll receive what he has promised. He had less than three years of formal education. He failed in business in 31. He was defeated for state legislature in 32. He failed again in business in 34. He finally succeeded to state legislature in 35, ran for speaker, and he lost by a landslide. He was defeated for elector in 40, for Congress in 43, finally elected in 46, but he lasted only a two-year term, defeated in re-election attempt in 48, failed in business again, ran for Senate, defeated in 55, ran for president in 56, he was crushed, defeated for Senate again in 58, Then in 1860, he ran for president of the United States, and he won. And he went on to become one of the greatest American politicians of our history. His name is Abraham Lincoln. Very good class. Let me give you another one. He said this, I have failed over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. Michael Jordan. My eighth grade geography teacher was hot. I used to love just look at her. And I don't remember, honestly, anything about geography. (laughs) I don't. I don't. I really don't. She was a Christian. I don't even know if she's still alive, but I look forward to seeing her. (laughs) I didn't mean it that way. I really, I really did. Thank God my wife's not in this service. She was in the last service. (laughs) I I didn't mean it that way. Every morning in class, every morning, she'd go to the chalkboard and she would write, today is the first day of the rest of your life. Guess what? Today's the first day of the rest of your life. There's no way you can go back and change the past. I don't care how you fail. I don't care what you quit and how many times you quit and why you quit. It really doesn't matter why you quit at this point question is, before we leave this church service, will you make a decision and a commitment not to remain 
a quitter. details the birth of the church as we know it today. Before Jesus came, the only way to worship God was in a temple, with sacrifices at the ready and only speaking to him through another person. Jesus changed that. Now everyone has direct access to the King of Kings. We can speak to him through our prayers and even hear directly back from him in our own spirit. This is thanks to the gift of the Holy Spirit, who is received as soon as we give our lives to Jesus. Today, you too can have the Holy Spirit flowing through you and giving you the guidance and hope you desire. We'd love to tell you more about this. Send us a quick email at info at ccfstpete.church and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. You can connect with us on social media as well. Find The Living Word on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and jump into the conversations there. Find links to all of these at our website, ccfstpete.church. Are you in the St. Petersburg area? We would love to meet you. Every message you hear on The Living Word comes from a teaching that Pastor Danny Hodges has shared at Calvary Chapel Fellowship and you're invited to join us for our weekly services. Our church is filled with imperfect people being made holy by our perfect creator, and we know that you'll fit right in. Find directions at our website. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. With that, our time with you has officially come to an end. Pastor Danny will lead us deeper into the book of Acts when you join us next time, right here on The Living Word. The Living Word.